Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going backstage with Rachel John, who's currently playing Mrs Nielsen in Girl from the North Country in the West End. The show premiered at the Old Vic in 2017 before transferring to the West End later that year. In 2018, it had a run off-Broadway at the Public Theatre in New York, and then this year it ran in Toronto before coming back to London for an eight-week run at the Gielgud Theatre. The show fuses the music of Bob Dylan with a story that's set in 1934 in the town of Duluth in Minnesota in America during the Great Depression. The town where it's set is actually where Bob Dylan was born. Now you may have seen Rachel John in Hamilton as Angelica, for which she was nominated for an Olivier Award. She's also been in shows like The Bodyguard, Memphis, We Will Rock You and Sister Act. Rachel and I had a chat in the green room backstage at the Gilgood Theatre the day after press night. Here's our conversation. Well, thanks for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've been doing this for two, just over two years now. Great, amazing. And I still get the knots in my stomach and everything whenever really? I walk through a stage. That imposter syndrome when I walk through a stage, so like, I shouldn't be here. Imposter syndrome, I know. We're faking it till we make it. Every it's press right. night I go to, I'm like, I shouldn't be. I was sitting really? next to Louis Theroux and behind their balls yes, last night. Yeah. And I was, and they were talking to each other and I was like, I feel like I'm in trouble. Like, <laughs> I feel like someone's going to come and say, excuse me, sir, you shouldn't be here. Can you, can you get out of the stalls? You're in the grand. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> like where are you here just yeah just own it embrace it I know, yeah, I know yeah. that feeling though I know I gotta say though no, was on her phone the whole way through act one do you think I, I was too scared to say anything do you think possibly there was an emergency and she was talking to someone about <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like if you, if you've got that much of an emergency, you shouldn't be at the theatre. This is this is also something but, that you know, should be considered. Oh, bless! It just really annoys me. I oh, know, I know. My view of kind of society and where we are in terms of like media and entertainment and the way we receive entertainment is because we can now opt in or opt out. Yeah, that changes the way that people kind of view theatre. Because if you're at home and you have one of these providers, no names mentioned, where you can pause and skip and play and record and stuff, it means that you don't actually have to be engaged in real time. And sometimes I think because of that, we, you know, you can download someone and watch it on the tube. You don't actually have to watch someone sweating and working. Not that you even asked me about that, but that's, no, no, no. <laughs> that's kind welcome. of what I feel about. We all have this weird. I think as a, as a society, we have a short attention span problem. Yes, we. Do And I think it's different because when I grew up, you know, simple things like you didn't have, oh my God, I'm going to sound really archaic now, but I know what I'm trying to say <laughs> in terms of how quickly you could access information, people, things. I was saying the other day to the girls in my dressing room that on any sort of school holiday, we used to meet at McDonald's on Oxford Street. There are other fast train food <laughs> restaurants, but um, that's where you'd meet. But you had to meet there because no one owned a mobile phone. You only owned a house phone. Your word was your bond and that was your loyalty. And so now, because we can opt out of so many things, it means I don't have to honour this appointment. I could have texted three minutes before and gone, oh, sorry, I just... So, um, yeah, we've we've just changed in the way. Yeah. Even going out to dinner with each other, where's your phone when you're at dinner? Do you know, if, it, if, if you've left your charger at home, I mean, people are forlorn 
because if I can't access it now or be in that moment or, or know before someone else, then we feel like we've really missed out. And then, yeah. So I can't remember changed. the last full day I went without hearing someone go, does anybody have an iPhone charger? That is right? so true. Whereas back in the day when you had a Nokia, you could, it would they run for about for a week. week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Never charged it. You're like, oh uh-huh. God. But that's because you don't have your whole life on it. And I do, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm with technology. I'm not a dinosaur. They're a blessing and a curse. Though. There are, there are, there are. And especially yeah. when you're working all the time, you need to receive information. 100%. I need to receive information. So I, I get it. I just don't want to lose the connectivity that we have because human connection is so, so important and healing as well too, yeah. you know? Yeah, and there's an empathy thing. Oh, this has gone way further than I thought I'm it so would. sorry. No, no, yeah, no, it's me. a great chat though, but like there's an empathy thing there. Though yes. I, I feel like because we're all so disconnected because of our phones, yes. for me, I go to theatre as much as I can because it's the only way I get that. I can sort of maintain that empathy because I know my personality is very logistical right. and I and I have to have that sort of something to sort of prompt me to feel yes but i know some people can access that way easier yeah i think and and for me i think subconsciously because i grew up you know i'm going to church i still go to church going to youth centers and stuff like that the whole focus of those uh, institutions and environments are on each other giving back to each other doing something corporately together you can't be on a phone you can't that isn't the purpose of the meeting together, whatever that may be, if you're in a football team or you're in a choir or whatever. Those are things that we don't do as much now, those sort of groups, book clubs. And oh my God, I can't believe it's I'm talking life. like this. I no, but it's like, real life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think I sound like, oh my God, where, you know, she's I'm back right there in with the you. day. I know I'm right there you with know? you. And I agree with you that, that theatre adds this thing where you see the humanity, you see the sweat, sometimes you see the spit, sometimes you see the tears, sometimes, sometimes you, you see, feel the spit. You, you sometimes <laughs> you feel the spit. I'm not saying that because I'm a spitter. Um, many people got sprayed in Hamilton, I'm sure. But you have to look at another human in the eyes. You see everything working, their faces moving. And it, it does change you because you, you reconnect to that thing that connects us and doesn't separate us and doesn't create this other about us you're like yeah that's an excellent actor but oh my god they're human just like me and then you get a bow line you don't get a bow line at the end of a film so you can still revere someone and not know the humanity of what that is the bow allows you to go oh god they're just like me actually oh they're like four foot or five foot just like me or whatever it is so theatre is very very special and that's why I'm very 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 passionate about young people accessing it and seeing what what we do and then we you know we're human as well you know we covered a lot of ground there. I'm so sorry. No, this no, is no, me. please apologise. That's why people come around for a chat and they're no, just like, oh my gosh, we just unpack it. loads of things. It. So yeah. Let's talk about the thing we're here to talk about. Go from on. the North Country. Yay. I was in last night, press night, as we, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard a lot about this show. There was a lot right. weighted on it yes. based on what people had seen when it was here before. Mm-hmm. And the the cast, I was just in awe. Wow. Especially, and I, and I, and so many people had said, you know, the original cast were amazing. Yes. And, and, and can I just add, they were in an incredible group of humans. Yes. But carry on. Yes. But I sat there and I was just in awe of all of you. Yeah. I mean, you and Anna Jane Casey, yeah. who I didn't even recognise. It's, it's a special, it's a couple of things. I think there's a perfect marriage when you get to a show and you've got an incredible group of humans and an incredible book to work from. And it doesn't always happen. And so we're really blessed here. I don't, I don't know what else to say. And I think what makes a great show is you're saying, and thank you for that compliment that you, you know, that you're wowed by us. I think it's um, everyone investing and leaning into the project, really listening to the direction really clearly from Connor, 
that's priceless that we have the writer and the director right here to access, you know, and to also guide us in a particular way. And Simon Hill, who arranged all this amazing music and we cannot forget Bob Dylan. So it's a great team around us that makes this thing as, as you know, as, as moving, I suppose, as it is. And especially doing it in Toronto, we had a lot of people coming out with more question marks than answers. <laughs> they were like, but does she, and does he end up with what happens and what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And we love that because that's the whole point of the, the audience going on a journey. Yeah, it's not an easy watch. It's not an easy watch. Specific moments I found it really mm, difficult in yeah. place, especially because on Saturday I was watching Mary Poppins and then on Monday I was right, watching this. So, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. Was, <laughs> You've gone from extremes, yeah, polar yeah, extremes. Completely. Yeah. And I, I did struggle at points, especially in the darker moments when you didn't necessarily get the light that you would hope for. Right. And then, so you then have to kind of pull yourself through it. You do. And it, it's it's heavy. It is. But isn't that life, though? Oh, completely. And I feel like it would do the story a disservice if it did provide a light, jazz-handy yeah. moment. Yeah. Because that's not what 1934 was like in America. And I also don't think that's what America's like right now. No. I mean, I'm not being political. I just think every country, we, we, we're on this planet and everyone's going through heavy times, whether that's as a nation or as individuals. And I think we're now in a time where it's really, really, really easy to put gloss or a filter on it or something or not pick up the phone, not reach out because the perception is that everything being perfect and you being completely happy is linked to you smiling all the time and we're not reaching out to people. And I think it's sometimes you have to sit in the discomfort because that also encourages empathy. Something terrible happens to someone that you know or you're hit with something in your family and you can't always run away. And I think putting people in the dark for a couple of hours and letting people experience this is really, I hope, pulling people back to the feeling of that isn't me, but if this did happen to someone, I know that I could sit in that with them and help them through it because... It's dark, yeah. Nineteen thirty-four was a really yeah. dark time, but yeah, a lot of people come away and gone. God, that was oh, it was a bit uncomfortable, and I just wanted it to. I wanted the bubble to burst. I wanted something to release me. But sometimes that's life. We don't get released from things very, very easily, or the way we'd want to. I don't think anybody in this boarding house, the way that Connor's written it, has planned to be there and planned to be in any of these circumstances. But life hits you, and I totally get what he's doing in denying us the catharsis at the end. Yeah. And throwing in that curveball, I won't ruin it with the doctor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, hang on, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But the way the way that it ends as the lights come down and, and you sort of see the family back together mm. in any wherever they may be, I thought that was such a, a classy way to end it. Yes. Because what does it all boil down to? We're all part of a family, whatever that may be, whatever your family looks like or sounds like, whether they're, you know, dysfunctional, brilliant, whatever families are, we're part of a family, which is the human race. And then we're part of all these little families, whether they be biological or not. And so it does all boil back to that. And this family isn't perfect, no spoilers. Look at the way that they treat each other, interact, disconnect, don't interact, all of these things. But can you sit down and share a meal? I mean, that's, that always touches me at the end going, when's the last time like, I just sat down with a meal with my family, you know? So it is, it's just a very beautiful It was crafted. beautifully simple. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did want to ask you though. Yes. I feel like Mrs. Nielsen can do so much better. 
And actually, <laughs> and I was thinking that the whole, I was thinking genuinely thinking you're that not the whole first, way, you're not no, the first person. I was to thinking say it that. the whole way through, and then Elizabeth says it. Yes. And I heard someone at the back of the stalls go, yes. Uh, yeah, we, we had quite a bit of that in Toronto. Not only people just responding to it, but people coming to stage door and saying the exact same thing. And with my 2019 head on, yes, I agree. Of course you could do better. Empower yourself, get up, move, go on. But then I have to, again, as an actor go, it's 1934. And that's the, that's the, the fun thing for me is to create this thread and this backstory for her going, why are you there? You know, we then discover, no more spoilers, that she's not isolated. There are family members now we're talking about. So why didn't you go to them in the first place? But again, that's about humanity. How many times have we been in relationships where we go, this is no good for me. Everybody's telling me to leave. Why am I here? And yet we're still here. And that's the complexity of the human condition. I think that's what it's about. I'm not saying I agree with Mrs. Nielsen because if it was me, I'd be like, girl, just go, go, get up and go. But um, again, as I say, part of getting this this character together for me was like having it embedded in truth. And I know my own secret reasons for why I think she's there and why she's continuing to stay. Did you have to come up with reasons why she was in love with him? No, because... Or did you have to find a likeable side to his character? Not particularly, because I think, and this is going to sound really weird, but as a woman, I know in my own life, I've I've loved people that everybody, everybody's gone, he ain't nice, and he ain't attractive, what he, what? But again, I think that's the complexity of like love and sometimes dating expectation, staying with people because of promises, like you date potential. He could potentially be this thing that's better for me. You know, if I carry on like this, maybe I can make him better so I that I didn't find a struggle but what I did find a struggle is going okay well now you have all this information why does she why is she staying but not only staying but also looking after his wife and like putting her to bed absolutely wearing all this lovely knitwear absolutely oh my gosh (laughs) I just want to say big up to the knitwear it was hand knitted I'm not sure by whom but props to them because it's beautiful and as a knitter myself I'd love to be at that level I could knit something cute like that but I'm I've, I've really all the things that I have to put on and everything, I'm chuffed. You got the look down. I got it. I, I feel chuffed with this show. It's Does that help beautiful. you when you walk out on stage and you sort of are embodying this 1934 woman in this 100%. F- fab cardigan? 100%. Because your body feels different in the same way if we, you know, if we were just hanging out and, you know, we're in, we're in you know, tracksuits and we're just slumping back. Changes your body language, changes the tone of your voice, changes the way you walk, changes the position and alignment of yourself. And the minute you put a wig on like that, which is not the type of hairstyle that I'd have, and the heel is a very different heel, the shoe feels different, you feel the ground in a different way. So you can't help but walk in another way and hold yourself in a different way. And it, it's wonderful. But the same same thing with Hamilton. Like people are just like, oh, you look completely different. And you're like, yeah, I'm in a corset. I'm in layers. <laughs> so your body can't do what it in, in its contemporary style the way it wants to relax. So yeah, that that is... That's the icing on the cake. Because when you're running this without costume, it's beautiful because you strip everything back. And when you add that layer, you go, yeah, here she is. It's complete. Here she is. Yeah. Yeah. When the audition came up, was it an instant yes from you? Or was it something you'd already been looking out for? I wasn't looking out for it at all at the time because what was I doing? I was in the midst of Hamilton. So I think I was kind of at the point of just going... I can't wait to book a holiday and have a little bit of a break. (laughs) 
<laughs> to be quite honest, I was like, I'm going to definitely book a break. And then my agent called with this and I was like, oh, it instantly piqued my interest. The next week, it wasn't a very lengthy process. The next week I was in for, I think, one one little sit-in and a chat and a read-through and a sing-through and all that sort of thing. And so when I got the phone call to say it was a yes, it was I was just bowled over because it's such a unique project. And, and I have to admittedly, just like you, I didn't get to see it the first time around at all but knew of these wonderful people that are in the cast and knew of the, the great piece that it is. So yeah, I just, it was a yes. <laughs> I have to confess, actually, I meant to say this earlier, before I came to see the show, yes. I knew only one Bob Dylan song and that was only because of Adele. No, confess it, because even when we sat down, I was like, well, first when I got the yes, I was like, Bob Dylan, I know him. And then started chatting to my mum and I, she was like, oh yes, this song and this song. And, this. and I went, oh my God, yeah, of course. The answer's blowing in the wind. Of course, that's Bob Dylan. I'll make you feel more like, of course, that's Bob Dylan. And you start going, oh no, I do know that. Or someone sampled that or someone's done something with it. So yeah, that don't even, that is a confession that like quite a few people went, oh, I know. I think I know. And then they sit there and they listen to a couple of stuff and go, wait a minute, make you feel my love, is it? Yeah, it's his song, you know what I mean? The same way people listen to uh, I Will Always Love You and you go, you know, it's Dolly Parton, right? What? Yeah, so they, I, I join you in that confession and that's fine. But they, I just, even if, even not knowing the originals, they mm. all translate so well into, yes. into the theatre. Yes, they do. Especially your big act two number. I was yeah, living I for it. I know, right? I'm living for it too. I'm just saying. What's it called, by the way? I'm so sorry. Well, I just. No, it's just, fine. So it's a little, tracks. no, that's fine. I mean, there's loads of tracks, right? So it starts off called Sweetheart, which obviously starts with AJ. And then I, um, I go into True Love and then it goes back into, so it's called True Love. Okay. Which is hard. True Stunning. Love tends to forget. Oh. I know, right? So, so as like, soon as you went to grab that microphone, I, stand, I was like, "Oh God, here it comes!" I know, here it comes, <laughs> which is beautiful. And I, you know, it's all of these songs interwoven that are, are telling these stories. And again, we're relying on the poetry of Bob Dylan, you know, of, of the way that he he writes and how that's conveyed. And you kind of lean into it. You can't help but lean into it. So, but also just the the way that whoever has gone back into that music and found all these intricate harmonies and yes. the way that it can all be woven into such a bigger piece of material yeah. is so insane. That's, so that's the genius of Simon Hale, all hail the Hale. Um, <laughs> so he's done that. And then obviously, as you know, Connor was given all this music and then had to sit and pick. And I mean, talking to him, you know, he can tell you exactly how that process went. But yeah, we've got incredible harmonies and how atmospheric this is it's 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 wonderful thank you bob dylan <laughs> uh, we we talked briefly when i got here about all the different theaters that you've worked in yes over the years you've 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 done a number of shows in the west end i have do you have a favorite theater in london or anywhere else that you've performed oh, in oh that's a tricky one so you should prepared that, me for that sorry we can come back to it if you want no do you know what do, do you know i mean they all have their own I don't know. The walls all have their own stories, what they release and stuff like that. But doing Sister Act at the Palladium was definitely, I don't know how to explain it. It was just, I don't know. It just blew my mind because I just walked in there thinking, this stage has, you know, has held sacred. It, it is. It's like a sacred space. And you think, gosh, if these walls could talk. Yeah. So I think the Pall the Palladium of what, I mean, they're all incredible theatres. And then obviously we were in the newly refurbed Victoria Palace, which was just, that was mind blowing. It was beautiful. But yeah, in terms of 
the ones that I've been able to do. The Palladium is just, it was just, it's so special. Yeah, I think so. I was, as I was sort of researching to come here, mm. I actually worked out, I've seen you in quite a few of your How credits. Have you? Oh. So, yeah, so Sister Act is one. Yes. We Will Rock You is me. Oh my gosh, yes. Memphis. Yes. Um, Hamilton. Oh my gosh, And now yeah. this. So we've got the five. We've got the five. So we have loads to talk about. We've got loads to talk about. Um, Sister Act, first of all, oh. I mean, that production was enormous. It wasn't it. Was it a nightmare to tech? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is tech ever not a nightmare, to be honest? But was it particularly bad? Just because wasn't there like that bowl that rotated and everything? Everything and, rotated. And everything it? moved. Everything. As soon as you've got a, 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 a I don't know, 20 foot Mary... Yes, it's going to always be, <laughs> always be interesting and fun. But you find ways of getting through tech because you know once everything is exactly where it needs to be. And obviously tech is all about safety and everybody knowing where they need to be. When the curtain goes up on that first show and you see all those moving parts and you're a part of that, you go, yeah, this is why. This is why we were in all them long days doing all those sessions. But it, it was it was definitely a very long ticking process, you know. Sure. But what a visual it was when it what actually... a visual. I only saw it once and I felt like I needed to go back. Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, I was in the front row, cause, but, you know, I felt like I was in it. Yeah. You just, again, because it was meant to create that thing of you're the congregation and we're in church, you know? And they just did that so well. It was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was part of the sisterhood. The nuns. It was good. And I know that there have been other productions afterwards where they've kind of tweaked things, added stuff, taken stuff the, out. I saw the first tour and I was like, this is a different show. This is, and, I, and, I, and, you know, and I've had the privilege of watching friends on the tour as well because I went to see a really good friend of mine, Alexandra Burke. I went to see her uh, on tour doing it as well. So I'm always interested when other productions are coming out because it's fun to be an audience member sometimes as well. Just don't really so, especially when go. it's a show you've done, you're like, this I is know, a surprise. I know, it's like... And also sometimes even watching people do the same thing. It's so it's it's wonderful to encourage interpretations of and, and different spins on it because you know it's uh, that's that's the art of storytelling. We all tell it from kind of different angle, but hundred percent. When you got meat in in Rock Q, yeah, was that your first big West End part? I think so. Yeah, I would consider so. Yeah, definitely. What a great show to be part of, and also. Again, uh, to be guided and and helped by like Brian May is just that's out of this world because you respect him so highly anyway as a musician and an artist and being a part of Queen, but then him just turning up and watching shows and I got to obviously sing for Freddie, no one but you, which was you know there's already a pressure on that going. He wrote this for a friend of his that passed away and you want to honour that. But that was just, again, it was just out of this world. The things that you could, you know, information that you could get from him as well. Because I originally did the tour. There was a UK tour first that I was a part of and I was covering Killer Queen and Meatloaf. And then when it came up for audition, yeah, covered those two. And uh, so then when it came up as the audition in town, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go in for that. Why not? And then I just, I did not expect that. Every time I get a phone call about getting a show, I'm always out somewhere doing something. Like I remember the Hamilton call. I was, I just finished a swimming lesson. No, I was about to start a swimming lesson because I was trying to learn to swim. And my phone rang and I was like, oh, hello. She's like, where are you? And I was thinking, why should I swim home? It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'm at swimming lesson. Are you by yourself? Are you sitting down? I was like, no. And it, it, if anyone rings and says that, you you know it's it, it's not good. It's you either just a think, job or someone's died. Yeah, you're just like, okay, great. And 
yeah, you get that phone call. But we, I mean, amazing that you weren't sitting there going, why haven't Hamilton phoned? Why haven't heard from Hamilton? No, because I think, I think when you first start off in the industry, because I think my journey has been completely different. I haven't trained. So, you know, I, I went to university and took a year out because I was going to do my PGCE and teach and then ended up at an audition and then ended up in shows. So my journey has been completely different. Um, and when you first get in, you go, they haven't called back. Why haven't they called back? Because you're from this life of um, getting appraisals all the time when you work in that way, in that sort of field, people are always telling you what the bar is. And then you do an audition and you come out and you feel like, yeah, really enjoyed that, went really well. And then two or three weeks pass and you've heard nothing. You go, oh my God, what does that mean? And, I, and I've always tried to align myself with other actors that are, you know, stronger than me, better than me and done it longer for them to kind of go, oh, this is normal. Get on with your life. Get on, get on with your life because you need to keep building yourself as a storyteller. So whether that means traveling, you know, watching other shows, listening to great music, going to poetry nights. These are the things that keep you going. You can't sit by the phone, can you? Because if you don't work, you don't eat. So you just True. keep chugging along. Life just keeps chugging along. How life-changing though was that phone call when it, the Hamilton won? Yeah, it was really life-changing. It also came with, you're not allowed to say anything for quite a long time. To um, anyone? Anyone. How did you deal with to that? To anyone. So that was quite hard because I think then people start calling and going, oh my gosh, Hamilton's coming. I booked four tickets. Do you want one? No, nah, I'm all right. You don't want to see Hamilton? No, I do, but I'm just going to be doing, is doing other things. <laughs> Said no one ever. So I don't know. I can't commit to that day. And by the time you said that, mate, I don't know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're like, come Eyebrows on. start to go what up. What was happening? So I did really well. I didn't say anything to anyone at all. So that night when it was released online, because it's normally Baz that, 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 you know, gets the information and releases it. That's when it, everything changed. You know, I got phone calls from my family in Trinidad. Like everybody was just like, what's happening? And and I was like, no, you understand. Couldn't say anything. But Had you been over to see it in New York before you got the job or went in for anything? No. Did you go once you got it? Yes. And then... So, yeah. Was it... But you must have watched it in a completely different way knowing you, you were going to do that part. Absolutely. But I'd been listening to this soundtrack for a minute and the way it started was a, a, a friend of mine, Matt Coulter, he'd basically, he'd gone to New York and had got tickets for Hamilton. I think he'd done the lottery and got tickets. I then got this phone call the next morning going, you have to play this part. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, this is like... Angelica Schuyler is for you, like, get it. And I was like, okay, okay. He's like, listen to this and tell me I'm wrong. Started listening to Satisfied and that was it. It was just on repeat for like months and months and months and months and months. So my songs were Wait For It and Satisfied. They were the tunes. I mean, you have to record Wait For It because I need to hear that. I know. Please. (laughs) Can you imagine? We have to get the rights, my darling. We have to ask all the powers that be. Just do it for me now. Just do it for me now. (laughs) Not getting in trouble. I don't want to end up in trouble at all. But yeah, and that's how the journey kind of began. So I feel like I came to the table as a lover of the work, as a lover of the work. So there was no pressure. And then you do an audition and it's going on for a while and you think, meh. And it's, it's hard because in the increments, the more it goes on is the more you actually go, do you know what? I love this work. Like I really want to be a part of it. And then you're wanting not to want it because you don't want to get that call that says, thank you very much. Even though I believe if it isn't for you and it's for someone else, that's absolutely fine. 
but it doesn't stop you wanting it. It doesn't stop you wanting it at all. And um, also there could be so many reasons why something absolutely. goes to someone else. Absolutely. And you just don't know. And and that's what I've realised. You just don't know. There are, you think sometimes that you've gone in for something and it's one human making a decision and it's like 30 people all around the world deciding how this jigsaw puzzle fits together. And it is a jigsaw puzzle, you know. But sometimes it's down to height. Sometimes it's down to timing. Sometimes it, we just don't know. So I'm learning to control what I can you know, have I prepped for this audition? Am I ready to go in? Am I passionate about it? Am I ready to deliver? And then that's it. That's that's me. So, it, you know, you you take this pressure off of yourself. You will be nervous because it's like a weird blind date when you walk into that room and see a panel. You're like, hi, it's me. Please like me. Thank you. That's how it feels. It feels like a really weird blind date. But if you treat it like a really weird blind date and you go, I'm prepped. I know they're going to ask me that. And then there's going to be no awkward silences and pauses. Then you're you're ready to take in whatever the room has to offer. And then if it's for you, then, you know, praise God and you get on with it. You know, it's, it's, so it's it's... It's not as simple as that, but I'm a lot older now, so it's, <laughs> you learn you learn slowly how to kind of balance that out. On that audition thread, mm. has there been a job you've auditioned for that you've been really disappointed that you didn't get? Is there one that stands out more than anything else? Yeah, but I won't mention it. But, okay. um <laughs> Yes, and I think for the reasons that you feel, I think when you're, when again, like I say, Sometimes you're a fan of that show too. You've seen it and you're just like, I want to play this part. Not, uh, let me explain it. Like, not I want to take this part from someone else, but I would love to have the opportunity to put my stamp on that, have it, you know, interpret that in a particular way. And there's there's two auditions that I was really, you know, quite tearful about when it was like, no, because you're getting great feedback in the room. You feel great about it your you know your agent feels good about it everything feels like it it's just aligned to do it um and then it's a no and i think at the time it's so disappointing and so heartbreaking because you just think you it straight away you it comes back to you what could i have done was i not right maybe i shouldn't have walked in that way or done this 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 and now what i'm really starting to learn and it is a journey is that i'm i'm always enough I think we just don't tell ourselves that I am always enough. And just on this day at this time, it just wasn't for me. And I think that means that you 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 don't start this this blaming thing. Sometimes they go, you know what? We asked for that feedback. It, you know, she couldn't deliver that. It, it was out of her range, blah, blah, blah. Those are some circumstances. But sometimes when it just feels like everything's aligned and you don't get it, but that's life. You know, I've got nieces. And sometimes they're like, I didn't get this or this person doesn't like me, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing we teach them is it's okay. Sometimes it isn't fair. And sometimes you don't get what you want. You don't. But every time I've been disappointed by something, another door's opened, a bigger, better door, whatever that may be, be it I've met someone that is taking me in a different direction in something in my career, or I've got a better job, or I've spent time with my family. It's always for a reason but it, it can it can get you down and I think having the right support around you as well and just being honest this makes me feel like this because I don't want to sink into depression about it or you know kind of maligning myself because you have to get back up by the time you've cried there's another phone call going hello you've got self-tape so you've got to continually be moving like living in this working space and now you're part of this global Skylar sister 
sisterhood. I know. With an Olivier Award nomination. Can you believe that? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, that that answered that. Um, You know, a lot of people go, oh, you must have, nah. You, You know, in my whole career, this was the first opportunity that I had to be nominated and then you get nominated. You can't write that. That's, it's just crazy. It doesn't feel real. And I wish someone had explained to me as well the way that it feels because you're constantly not yourself. So I can't explain. So you're always playing a character, right? So people don't go, Rachel John, well done. It's like, oh, Mrs. Nielsen. We talk about her in the third person. So when you sit in a room like that, full of your peers, full of friends and family and well wishes and all the things and legends, and they call your name and your face is on the screen as yourself. I've never felt such a rush of, I don't know, fear, joy, anxiety. It's all the things at the same time because it's the first time you're celebrated for you and you're not behind something else. That was, you know, I definitely came away from that and had to kind of talk that through quite a bit. It's a hard thing to be present throughout that kind of environment as yeah, well, isn't it? Especially yeah. for such a long evening. Yes. And I think, you know, what was really nice for us though, we performed. So it broke the, it broke the thing up of going, I'm just going to sit here in this dress and this really expensive jewellery that Asprey have lent to me, which I have to say, it was the most bomb jewellery I've ever worn in my entire life. <laughs> but equally, I've never been as scared in my entire life as well. Because there was a lovely security man there from Asprey making sure that it stayed in my ears and around my neck. And the minute that came down and that was over, it. They were like, thank you. Got escorted out of take the jewellery off. Because you're wearing tens of thousands around your neck and your ears. That's I probably like should say that. <laughs> He's just like, thank you very much. And he had a suitcase and it got sealed and they take it away. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and I mean, the generosity of them to loan you anything is incredible. But the whole night is full of all these things that in everyday life, you know, I've got... I've got little earrings. I'm not wearing them now, but I've got earrings. I just go to H. Samuel, like, oh, of course. Because you, you think, oh, I'll lose them, so it doesn't really matter. But to have all of that, you know, to have a stylist, to have hair and makeup, to all those things, it's it's wonderful. It really, really is. It's really, really, you know, I'm really blessed. And and, uh, and you did get to go on stage and speak. I did get to go on stage and speak. I was just like, <laughs> they were like, we'd like you to come on and speak. I was like, me, no. I was like, Giles is better at speaking. Let Giles speak. <laughs> No, I love I love that they asked you. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. sitting there going, "Yes." I know, right? In the yellow dress. Um it was gorgeous. I know, right? People still say, "Oh my god, the yellow dress." I was like, that is on the highlights of my life. I couldn't I could not have felt more beautiful and been in a better company or a better place to to be there. You know, it was just it was so much love in the room, so that is one I treasure. I treasure that day. You've been out of that show for about a year now, just yes, over. December the 1st, how last do you, year we finished. How do you look back on that experience? Uh, do you know what? You... Did it take a long time to process it? Yeah. And I think because I had about six or seven months out, which was perfect for me, and in that space of time, I mean, I've not just been lying down on the sofa, even though there was a lot of that. I, um, I've been doing quite a bit of voiceover work and seeing family and all that sort of thing. You... I don't know how you process it. I mean, a few of us went out on the 1st of December, the, as we call ourselves, the OGs. So original company, we went out uh, for dinner just to talk about it. We went, this is the anniversary of us leaving this thing. So it was like me, Giles, Obi, like Leah, Cleve, like Johnny, Leslie as well, because he's back in Thriller at the moment. So we all just met up and you never stop processing it. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I talk a lot to Angelica on Broadway and 
even going over there and just having a chat with her, that changes everything because you go, oh my God, you get it. Because no one actually, everyone in the family gets it, but only another Angelica really gets it. And only she would understand that mindset that you've yeah. been through during those songs Absolutely. where you've got to stand like... How you feeling in the corset? What's the wig saying? Can you hit this today? Why can I hit this on, at this time of the month and not hit this time of the month? And what, what does that feel like? And what, Where the revolves going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who am I at this moment? And and I think, you know, it's like the fellowship of the sufferings. Like you meet someone else who's been through the thing and you go, oh, thank God it's not just me. It's not just me who loves this, but also finds it, you know, challenging and demanding yeah. and all those things. And that experience, I would never take Hamilton back. We got to do outreach. We got to meet incredible people. We got to, you know, have Susan McKenna come in and do a talk with all these students. And and, and that it far gives, excelled. It gives back more than any yeah. show I've ever known. But the experience hasn't stopped because I still get messages. I still get DMs going, you inspired me. How amazing to see women of colour on stage. Like, how amazing to see someone from Hackney. How amazing to see someone who sounds like us. How amazing to see, you know, in inverted commas, real woman as well. Because all three sisters are different body types. We're from different parts of the world. And then all the combinations of women, it's, you know, it's um, it's far more than a show, which is what I think the experience is about. And it's created family. And I will never be out of the Hamilton family, no matter what happens. I'll always be able to say to the grandkids, I was in Hamilton and I was Angelica the first time around. But, but it, 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 it never gets old. It never it, gets it's old. a chapter in the book. Yeah. I mean, at least one. I went to Broadway to see something during Hamilton, actually. I just took a week off, went to New York. I was just popping down the street and this guy came running over from wherever he was and he went, oh my God, it's you, it's you. And I was like, well, do you know what? I was trying to get lottery tickets for Once on This Island. And I was just waiting by the theater, like me and a couple mates just waiting. And he just came running, just running out of nowhere. And he went, oh my God, it's you, it's you. And I thought, You've got the wrong cheek. I'm not American and I probably owe him money or something, but it ain't me. <laughs> Whoever you think it is, is not me. I'd have been like, I'm not Renee Elise Goldsberry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Even though, oh my God, to meet her would be so amazing. Yeah, so I was like, it's not me, it's not me. And he was like, I was in London last week. Your Angelica is amazing. Oh my God, I can have a picture. And that's when you realise it's more than a show. It's like a whole, you're in this family. I'm in a different city. I'm doing my thing even going into the gift shop to get some stuff. I was like, oh, I'm just coming into Hamilton gift shop to get some stuff. because I wanted to get like some cups and a little thing. And they went, oh my God, it's you. Like the staff working in the shop going, oh my God, oh it's my you, God. it's you. Oh my God, how are you? I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. Like, <laughs> And then there's like a Skylar's sister's um, kind of silhouette on the wall. So you can like mm-hmm. put yourself in it. And I thought work, it's like, look what this is about. I mean, the experience never stops. And I'm, I cannot tell you how blessed I am to say that I was a part of that family. I'm still a part of the family. Obviously, it would be a great thing to, you know, reprise that role somewhere sometime in the future. I'd love to. We live in hope. We live in hope. You're always in the family anyway. Do you know what I mean? That'd be great. I would love to see that because I was so, I was genuinely really surprised when you left after a year. I was like, no. Yeah. I think, do you know what? And a lot of people ask me this and for a long time, it's kind of like, I don't want to talk about it, um, but I will talk about it. I left after a year because it was the best experience and the best job I've ever done. And I think sometimes you have to know when it's good, leave when it's good and let people talk about you in a way like, you know, love to have did her job brilliant. That's it. Leave the club and during I, a good song. Yeah, and I got get it. I love that. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna coin that. Leave yeah. the club during a good song. Leave um, during the album mega mix. Yeah, I love it. Right. <laughs> That's when you should leave, definitely. If you're playing bewitched, you've stayed too long. I know. <laughs> so I think 
yeah it was fabulous and I loved it and I think it was the right decision obviously you wake up on the Monday morning and go oh my god what have I done I've now not got a, a schedule or anything like that but I don't I don't regret it it was it was the right time to leave and the right time to be in it and I I you know as I said I'd happily go back but I loved it it was a great experience I cannot leave you without touching on Memphis because yeah. I adored that show I did too I saw it I think I saw it four times did you uh, yeah I just I was obsessed I mean my mum was in once a week I'm not gonna lie I, I could have watched it once she, a week I could have watched it once a week my mum was in once a week and obviously you know I started off as an alternate with my own ensemble track so that was already its own challenge and I also then, loved that at the end of several songs on the cash recording you can hear just hear you over, know, over everyone else I was just like they were like can you just do that there I was like okay um, <laughs> it's so good and then Obviously, Bev left and then I got to do it for kind of two weeks, which is really good. And there were loads of like, I probably shouldn't even say this, but there was loads of like amazing posters on the front of the theatre and I kept walking past going, what are they going to do with them when they're gone? So I saw the day after they were taking everything down and I went up to these builders and I'm like, where are you going with them? They're like, oh, we're putting in a skip. We've been told to get rid of them or whatever. So it's a massive picture of me in the red dress, my name on the front, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, blue, 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 take the mobile out. I was like, hello. Wearing the producers, I was like, what's going on with these pictures? Are they going in the bin or where are they going? I would like to add, they are now in my living room. So that's right. So Amazing. I've got a little piece of the theatre because you don't get it. And it's not like when you do these jobs, you can, you know, video, that's illegal, guys, please stop doing it. You can't, you know, can't video stuff. So you do, you never have something of yourself. There's never anything tangible. No, you do have the programme, which is great. But that is like a, it's me in the red dress with a microphone. You can't shove a programme so, in someone's yeah. face when they come around for a just add, I didn't steal it. I asked for it and they gave it to me. It's fine. <laughs> you know, somebody <laughs> would go, oh, she stole it. Nope, I didn't. But they gave it to me and now it's in my living room and I'm really chuffed about that. The songs in that show were so wonderful. Yes. Coloured Woman in particular, I know, my favourite. I know. It has a weight with it though, doesn't it? What did it mean to you to sing that song? Oh God. Probably, actually most definitely the hardest song I've had to ever sing ever at any point in my career ever. Because to think that those things that you're talking about in the 50s, I'm still talking about today. I'm still dealing with the fact that I'm perceived as a certain way because I'm a woman of colour. I've still got to explain myself. I still got to not be misunderstood. And then on top of that, there's the colourism. If you're lighter, you're darker. All the things. And that's why I think that was the hardest because you're singing it from a completely different place where you're like, yeah, I'm living this now. This is not 1950s. This is, this is right now. And so even now when you go out and people go, oh God, can you sing it? You're drawing from this place of, it's the weight of it, but it's it's still triumphant at the end, but it's... Um, it's a tough one to do out of context. Yeah, but it can still be done. <laughs> it's still just, yeah, people still ask for it. They're just like, oh my God, would you do Coloured Woman? Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no. It's just beautifully written. Again, I can't take credit for things because I haven't written these songs it's just the way they've been arranged and crafted and they've just been handled really, really well, you know. And the women that have sung it before me, you know, that's always the blueprint for where you you can kind of go, we're only standing in the shoes of people that originate these roles. I just want to add that. That's what happens, you know. And in the same way, I'm playing, you know, Mrs. Nilsson, but obviously I've met Jeanette, who's incredible, and Debbie Currup, who I love and adore and have so much respect for. So, you know, we're all storytelling. We just have the ability to keep filling these shoes and honouring 
the women and, and actors that have gone before us you know and hopefully everyone listening to this will come and see you play this part come and see this show it's only on for eight weeks we're at the Gilgood uh, you can book tickets online call the box office come and queue up there's so much stuff going on online just just get your tickets because you will miss out and then you'll be calling me on the second going oh my god Rach can you get me tickets for next week answer's no uh, we're here <laughs> until February 1st do not be slack get your tickets the end I have loved chatting to you I've loved chatting to you thank too thank you so much thank you so much for having me you only have until the 1st of February to see Rachel in Girl from the North Country at the Gilgood Theatre in the West End that's all for this episode of the Backstage With podcast subscribe now to hear more interviews with the actors and creatives in your favourite shows if you're new to the podcast and enjoyed it then please leave a rating and a review you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Backstage with Podcast and on Twitter at Backstage underscore with. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Mikey Worrell one on Instagram and Twitter. Well, that's it for 2019. I'll be back early next year with more interviews with the theatre artists you love. Until then, happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed the show. Listener.